Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hi, this is Rebecca Buchanan, host of New Books Network, New Books and Popular Culture. And today I'm here with Junior Tomlin, who has a new book, A Flyer and Cover Art, out. Um, so, Junior, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Great being here. Uh, I'm wondering if we can start to talk a little bit about who you are and why this book came together. So can you tell us a little bit about you and the work that you've done as an artist? Well, I was, I was born in uh, 1960 in, in London, in Notting Hill Gate. Yeah, my parentage is uh, Caribbean. Yeah, my parents are Jamaican. And I basically, I've always been doing art for the last like 30 odd years. And uh, the way this book came about is that I was contacted by Colin Stevens from uh, The Knowledge you know, magazine. And he, he made me an offer I couldn't refuse because he said that it was about, isn't it about time you put together an art book? And I thoroughly agreed with him because I've, I've had over the years an idea to put together a book myself. But because of like uh, funds and things like that and time and uh, looking for work, I wasn't able to do so. So this book um, is full of both cover art for albums as well as sort of flyers and it covers very much the um rave scene in the uk so can you talk a little bit about how you got sort of involved in doing this work for the flyers and the cover art yeah it started it started off uh, basically i was doing record covers first the first record cover that I done was at 1989, so that you know that's uh, like 31 years ago. And from then, I started to work with other record record labels, one of them being Kicking Records. Yeah, but the first mm-hmm. but the but the first record label that I worked for was called Mute Records, and I done Renegade Soundwaves, Space Gladiator artwork, and from there more record covers followed so as i said i worked for kicking records and i worked for a company just around the corner from kicking called vinyl solution and it was from there that i got into doing ray flyers where i used to hang out at uh, the offices of kicking records and i met a rave promoter who basically wanted a flyer so that was the beginning of me doing record covers and Ray Flies nearly at the same time. Because one fed into the other. And can you talk a little bit, because this book is sort of filled with your art, so before we start talking about those in particular, can you talk a little bit about your aesthetic um, and the sort of Afrofuturist images and aesthetic that you have in these flyers? Yeah, 
Well, my, my aesthetic is like, uh, it's like a cross between Afrofuturism, surrealism, you know, and any science fiction and science fantasy all basically blended and mashed up together. So that's basically like, the, you know, the look. And sort of what has inspired that with you? Can you talk a little bit about your inspiration? Yeah, my, my inspirations was like, you know, 60s and 70s sci-fi. And also, and also, you know, artwork, because I was you know, an artist. And, and I've done a lot of like, you know, history of art. But uh, there was one particular, uh, you know, genre of art, that uh, art movement that I really liked. And that was the surrealist movement. And people like, you know, Max Ernst, Salvador Dali, and others. But I also like draw inspiration from Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo and, and some of the other great masters, you know, for their, you know, their use of colour and style. But it's for the surrealism that I really like uh, adhere to because I really like it's out of the brain type of imagery. So let's sort of talk about some of the sort of fly, the cover art and then some of the flyers that you've put together. I don't know if there's one you want to start with or I've, I've got the book open and I'm just looking at the sort of the first one that you talk about, which is the Renegade Soundwave Space Gladiator. Yeah. So can you share a little bit about um, how you got connected with Mute and then putting together this imagery for them, this cover for them? Yeah. Because how the Renegade Soundwave artwork came about is that at that particular time I was working at the London Cartoon Centre as a student, teaching uh, students a little bit of uh, sequential art but mainly I was teaching them how to use an airbrush. There was an airbrush tutor. So for a couple of weeks, I was to tutor the, tutor the students. And then one day, somebody came over from Mute Records looking for an airbrush artist. So evidently, I thought they were basically looking at me, looking for me. So that is how how I met the manager for Renegade Soundwave and then we set up another meeting where I met the band and they told me about the track that they were doing and the track was basically Space Gladiator and I had an idea for it I basically wanted it to be like uh, a female Robocop because at that particular time Robocop was like uh, just being released maybe one or two years before so I had that image firmly planted in my mind so I'd done a couple of sketches and I showed it to them and they were quite happy with it to give me the go-ahead. And so that is how Space Gladiator, the artwork was born. The actual artwork was A-O in size. It was quite a big piece of artwork. So I basically had to stick it onto my wall and airbrush it straight, straight onto it. But it was fun. That was my first one. That one's my, one of my you know, personal favorites because that was the first record cover that I've ever done. Right. And then you did a couple more for that, for Mute. Um, and then you moved to Kick It. I love the Bee Scientist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is really great. So can you talk a little bit, right? So you moved um, 
to, you were working at Vinyl Solutions and it's sort of starting to work for one label, it sounds like, allowed you to make connections with other folks. So can you talk a little bit about um, your bee scientist imagery and what you were doing with Kickin'? Yeah. Because the because the Kicking Records was the second label that I worked with, and uh, the person who wanted me to do the B, he was called basically was called called a scientist. So he had that this idea for a track called the B, and I basically wanted to make this be a little bit special. So it's basically like a bionic looking B, you know, a B with like metal parts, and he also has like a wicked little grin. This B mm-hmm. has. And as, you can yes. see, yeah, and as you can see next to it, uh, you see the the pencil sketch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea for the pencil sketch here is that I wanted the the thorax of the bee to basically be like a petrol tank for a motorcycle. So that's why it's got those lines at the top. So when you do this art, just for my clarity and others' clarity, you're drawing the images and then are you transferring them? You're just airbrushing them? Are, are they all sort of airbrushed? And then do you move into sort of computerized? Or how do you move from your sketch to the uh, final image? Well, they all, they all start off as sketches. Mm-hmm. Um, when the client is happy with the sketch, I basically have to redraw the entire sketch on line board ready to be airbrushed so these were the days where everything was done by hand where you have to basically draw things a couple of times just to get it right and then when you put it on board you put in all the detail that you want to put in and then you start airbrushing and then after you take off the film you can still put in more detail like with the bee, he's got like uh, a lot of hair on him, so it's basically like a paintbrush making those little strokes to make it look like it's hair. No, it's quite fun. I, I, I enjoyed the bee, you know, immensely. It was fun. Right. And can you talk a little bit about then how you make connections between each of the record labels? Yeah, the, the, there's a connection between Kicking Records and Vinyl Solutions because of their proximity to each other. One was basically just, what's it, 20 seconds just around the corner. And both both of the managers, they knew each other. And uh, because of that, they came up with this idea of like, let's do a compilation album together called Kicking Versus Vinyl. And that... That one was quite interesting where it's just basically two big robot DJs making artwork, now making making music and with with the decks and the music systems, they basically just throw it in the middle in a smoldering pile as the crowd cheers on. So the other thing that's one of the things that at Kickin has some really big names that come out of sort of um, jungle and drum and bass. So you have, you've done cover art for 
Groove Rider you have in here. So can you talk a little bit about working with some of these artists? Yeah, in some of the cases, would you believe that I never met the artist? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's funny, is that it just, a lot of it went through, you know, the manager, because I can't mm -hmm. ever remember meeting, meeting Groove Rider. I think the brief was there that, oh yeah, we've got this record, it's going to be called Groove Rider Hard Step Selection. Yeah, <laughs> do a couple of roughs. So in other words, it was okayed by the manager, but I don't know if it was ever okayed by Groove Rider himself. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting, though. <laughs> it's like doing it blind, really. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> because some of them you seem to, like, have built relationships with the artists, and then <laughs> so others, it's just... <laughs> yeah, it's like being you're so famous you can't be found. But uh, you have to yes. for the manager. The manager knows best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and then there's some funny, like the banana sausage, which banana is spelled incorrectly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? The, Grant, otherwise known as Wish Doctor, he knew it. He knew that it was spelled incorrectly, and he got away with it. <laughs> but, you know, which the, and the, yes, and so the image is just a sausage in a banana peel, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, because it's 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 it's, it's nearly like a no-brainer, really, because it's like uh, the title says it all. Mm -hmm. it basically, made the artwork in some like, wait a minute, a sausage. It's the same thing as a banana. <laughs> oh yeah, let's stick one inside the other. And that's how the other sausage was born. Uh, with banana spelled with two B A N N A N A N for yeah. people who are. <laughs> Annie. Um, and then, so you've done, we could just sort of walk through. So, Vinyl Solution. So, you work with Vinyl Solution. Um, so, can you talk a little bit about the work you did with um, your collaborations with Vinyl Solution? Yeah, the, yeah. as I was saying before, the, the first collaboration was head to head mm -hmm. with uh, Kicking Records, which was, which was a, you know, a fun piece to do with those like uh, gigantic robots and the crowd moving on, uh, cheering on. And then I worked for done a cover for Depth Charge, which is basically like a zombie. Yeah. Basically bursting say decomposing as the sun comes up. Yeah. And the title the title of that one is Dead by Dawn. Where you can, <laughs> you can just about see it in the background underneath the word depth charge. Yeah, one of the ones I love in this sort of the work that you did for Vinyl Solution is the MIDI brain, like MIDI brain where eyes with the um, large with it's all it is is sort of the eye with the iris there and then the earth inside of that. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's quite surreal. It it <laughs> it's, it's it works on the level of like the idea of like a microcosm. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can get like, you know, large planets, why can't you get like tiny, small planets that's basically just float around? It's like the idea of like my science fiction way of thinking in terms of like uh, the surrealism aspect of can you imagine that you could see a planet that small floating around? It's quite, you know, it's quite interesting because it had to research what does an eye look like. And in those days, you can only find photographs. These days, you can basically look on the internet 
and find you know things of you know greater detail. That's why the eye looks a little bit vague. If I had more time, if I was doing it now, it would have had more detail to it. But I enjoyed that piece. I even actually come up with uh, the text as well. Mm-hmm. No, I love like it, it very much that when you talk about the surrealism, it makes me think of something like a Dali-esque kind of yeah. look. And I, yes, I love the eye with the, and the detail with the eye, um, with the lashes and, and all of that. Yeah. So you have some too, where you do a and B sides. So I think the secret desire is really interesting because there's a bit of a story involved in that. So can you talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah. I, this is one that I really love love doing because uh, it also a throwback to me watching two thousand and one a space odyssey. Mm. Yeah, because uh, mm-hmm. that black square is basically that you know it's the obelisk in two thousand and one, mm-hmm. and the client, yeah, well, secret desire. He basically wanted it done in a comic strip, so I had to basically. Have this idea, I had this idea to basically tell a story of this like black mono, monolith, and then on the B side, you see the black monolith basically fading out over time. So the last panel is where you just see the shape, and you see that in the middle of the shape, here, it's sharper than the outside. So it's basically trying to do the transition of like uh, it's a different time. But I, you know, I probably enjoyed that one, you know, especially like doing, you know, landscapes and skies. Um, one thing I think is interesting as well is that there's cover art in here, most of which was used, but you do have, um, when you talk about working with single-minded, um, some cover art that was not used. Yeah. Um <laughs> So can you talk a little bit, <laughs> which I found really interesting. I was like, okay, <laughs> uh, because it's a great, I love the, like it's the, this, so this piece, can we, you talk a little bit about the piece you have in here that's not used? I think it's a great image, right? With this sort of um, the God and the planets. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, oh, the God adrenaline. <laughs> now, this, now this was fun you know it, 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 Tony who got me got me interested in this one he said yeah I've got this guy Yeah, he's called himself the God of Dreaded and he wants you to do a cover so I said yeah he wants he wants to be he wants to look like a superhero but the main thing is that he has to have this mask on you know the red mask so I've done a couple of sketches I showed it to uh, Tony, who showed it to, uh, you know, the clients. And it was okayed. So I went to do, like, the full digital piece now. Put it all down the color. Tony was happy with it. And then when we showed the client, he said, he said he would not accept it, yeah, because his package wasn't big enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but it's a great (laughs) (laughs) you have one for the same for single minded you have this next on the sort of next page the trip to the Andes I really love that image it very much looks like a photograph to me 
Um, so could you talk about that compilation a bit and what you did for it? Yeah, what I did with that, yeah, the trip to the Andes, I wanted to basically use the, uh, the Mayan codec, which is basically that big round image that you're, you're actually looking at. And because it was like trip to the Andes, I was thought, wait a minute, I can I can put little trippy things in there. So I was basically looking at this this piece long enough for you to see little things that you could basically take out. Because the guy in the middle, he's got headphones on. Mm. One, he's got headphones on. There's also a ship in there. There's also a bus. There's also a, a hippie in the tent. If you look closely, there's a, there's, it's packed with little little things inside it. And it's just basically like colouring in certain bits of this image. So your eyes would uh, be drawn to the colour, to the colour aspect. And above the head, his head, you've got two speaker boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Originally, I, I had uh, the man who with the headphones smoking a, a fat spliff but uh, I think that <laughs> uh, idea didn't go down too well so that was taken out <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's a beautiful um, image so yeah. I found you did work for Millennium and I found this really I felt that this was much different the work that you did on a lot of this was much different than the work than a lot of your other work very like clean lines um very minimalist so can you talk a little bit about some of the work you've done uh you did for Millennium Yeah Millennium it was Millennium was a German German company and the the, the man in charge of Millennium he used to do the production of the music from Kicking Records, would you believe? Mm. Yeah, he left Kicking to form his own company, and that, that, that's how we got Millennium Records. The first track that he they produced was called Love Groove, you know, Globule Warming. So he had this idea of like a metallic heart on a background of red velvet. Yeah, so this was basically, mm-hmm. this is digital. So it was quite fun, you know, working, working digital. The, the computer at that particular time was very slow. So I had to basically make, make the most of it. I enjoyed doing the background, but the printing always sometimes let it down. Yeah, mm. it's great on the screen, but when it gets printed there, some of the detail is lost because they oversaturate the color. Mm-hmm. And then they've done the, the sequel to Love Groove, that one, and called it, you know, Dirty Life, where they basically just uh, asked me to change the colour of the background, which I did, to a more like gold colour. But it's, you know, it's quite interesting. If I was doing it mm-hmm. again, I would do it differently. I would make it look a bit more chromey. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so... The next is, so you have and Vinyl that you do covers for, but also rave flyers for. So can you talk about some of the work you have did for and Vinyl? Yeah, Slammin' Vinyl is a, it's a, it's a strange one because uh, I think I've done the flyers before I did the record covers for them. Yeah, this is all quite interesting because the the early the early stuff 
was all done by by hand. It was all done by airbrush. But the, some of the adverts was basically done, you know, using a computer. Mm-hmm. The second one, yeah, uh, in full effect, the remixes. That's a, a computer one, computer image, where they just wanted um, the radiation symbol basically distressed. And the mm-hmm. background of that is like a uh, blue marble. So it's a, it's a simple image, but you know you can you've had I had fun basically like picking out the detail out of it to make it a little bit more rich. Otherwise, it would just be being a little bit too too plain. The one on the other page, yes, the the ride is another interesting one because I just thought of uh, a person riding a futuristic bike. With a with a leather jacket on and metallic legs, so it's basically like a a robot a robot dressed up. It was fun. Yeah, it and so some of these are very like if you move to what you do with Artista, the expansions um, and the desire piece where you have sort of the two characters together um, are is very much futuristic robots so can you talk a little bit about that piece as that piece yeah the expansion one move move your body i i enjoyed doing that one uh i just that was when i was still stuck in a little bit like a robot phase and i wanted to basically do a, a more like android type stuff so you know you know you search for reference material for for the body and it just basically changed changed the head to that like side on looking you know blank metallic face with this one long yellow glowing eye with a you know a nice red and yellow background but it was it was quite fun fun to do you know for expansions 95 and they recently used it for a car advert over in the uk the hmm. the expansions desire my idea for, for that one is, uh, you know, it's like robotic love. So the, the, the initial idea was basically like, you know, you've got the man, the woman looking into the man's face, or looking at the man, yeah, with, you, know, you know, touching each other with lasers. And when the client saw it, they said, oh, it's all very, it's all very nice, but uh, can you make their lips look like they're like melding together? Now, do you remember a film called The Lawnmower Man? Mm-hmm. Yes? Yes. They said, yeah, mm-hmm. we want, I want, they wanted me to do an effect like that, here, where their, their, their lips are basically like uh, melding together. So that's that's how that one was, was made. Because I've got another version of this here where they're basically just looking at each other. And this one you melded. Um Another image that I loved are some of the stuff you did for Rugged Vinyl, um, the Quicksilver image where you sort of got this robotic man coming out of like the the water. Yeah. Can you talk a bit about that? I really love that imagery and sort of what's the going on there. Well, this, this one goes back a bit. <laughs> <laughs> You know when you 
you try to remember something here that you just you just done it on the fly so i just wanted to have somebody emerging from the water i know I, I wanted like that nice type of like sky where it looks like the sun is just about to rise or go down so you don't quite know that and it was just basically called you know quick sailboat so there's, there's no much thinking went behind this apart from you know our character is basically just looking looking at you so you don't know what he's thinking you don't know you know what's behind it but it's a little bit like a enigma and if you look look closely you see it there's a little uh the little fly on the water Mhm. Mm yeah. But I also did the back of the the record. But this was the stage here where I used to do like the front of the record. I used to do the, the entire design and send that off to the printers rather than just the artwork. And this is one of those cases. So Quicksilver came first. I also I also designed the uh, the logo for Rugged Vinyl. And the, the one with the aeroplane, mm -hmm. yeah, that was another another piece of art that was never used. I don't know how that came about. You know, I done artwork; it was paid for, but the track was never released, so the artwork was never used. But, so it was never used. Yeah, but I've got the original artwork upstairs in my portfolio. <laughs> That's how it goes sometimes. So you get a hold on to it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, <laughs> no, I was gonna say I was just gonna move to like the audio tonic that the Dreamland cover. I really love that as well. Can you talk a little bit? It sounds like um, these these folks found you through Facebook. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they found me through Facebook, and. Uh, they, they asked how much is it for a piece of artwork. So I, I told them how much was going to be for a piece of artwork. And they also, uh, but I also told them that you've got two choices. You can either get me to design something fresh, or I've got a few pieces from my back catalogue that might be interested, you might be interested in. So I gave them about, what, four or five different images, and they picked this one for, you know, Reading, mm -hmm. you know, audio tonic, and that one is from my my personal stock because the original title of that yeah is called Heart of Bass. Mm. So she's basically her head is coming out of a bass speaker. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, the other one, Dreamland, is another one of my also you know personal favorites that I do. When I have like free time, I will just create a piece of artwork and have a bank. Of loose digital images so if people want to basically do a record cover I'll show them you know what I have available and they'll just pick it and they you know pay me and then they use it so and it just takes no time at all so every now and again I have this like uh, flurry of creating new pieces of artwork so I've always got a bank of artwork that people can like pick and choose and use. So the last image that you have before you move into sort of the flyer, so there's all these record covers, is the rave radio. Um, 
images can, which I really love those, uh, the, the, um, calling the hardcore. So can you talk a little bit about those and then we'll talk about some of your flyers? Yeah, calling the hardcore. Uh, I met Sammy, the, the, the head guy at, uh, the Rave Radio at, at an event up in London at this place called the Aquarium. It was called History of Rave. And they, I was asked to go down there to put on an exhibition of my artwork as, as well as other rave artists. So I met him down there and he, he, he said to me that he's got an idea for doing a album, a hardcore album. And he asked me if I would be interested. So I said, yes. And the way that one came about, yeah, I just basically wanted it to be a little bit like surreal. But he, he had the strict guideline where he wanted it to basically look like 90s rave, like a 90s rave image. So that's why I chose like the person walking into the, this unknown, into the unknown with planets around him and this like checkerboard, which is like very prevalent in Rayfly design of like the 90s. The sequel with the blue background, I had this, the, the other idea is like, it's basically to progress the story forward where you see the person now, He's you can see the person walking behind, from the, from the back and also you can see a woman walking towards him so we don't know if he's walking towards the woman or away from the woman and this is set between the, a big expanse of space and you can see uh, the horse head nebula on the side and you can see planets and bubbles you know I'm, I'm enjoying doing this one because the, the next one is going to have like another continuation of the story if he was to do it mm-hmm so you you have all these sort of elm covers and then you have flyers and you start with the rave world um and so can you talk because you from my understanding you can correct me you weren't really into going you weren't going to raves and and um <laughs> hanging out at raves and but you started doing these flyers so and the first you series you have here is for rave world so can you talk a little bit about designing um flyers for a subculture that you really weren't a part of at the time? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's at the time I wasn't into it, but it fed into the music that I used to do the covers for, which is like, which is like a, you know, an interesting thing because I, I met Mr. Mr. Rayboard at Kicking Records. And uh, they used to put on some of uh, the acts from Kicking at their raves and they would also get invited to some of the raves so i've been to a, f- a few raves as well and i found you know you know thoroughly entertaining and qu- quite cool really because it's the first time where you're in a place full of like thousands of people listening to loud banging music and they're all happy you know happy and drinking and wa- drinking water yeah <laughs> so this one with the three disembodied floating heads in space all came about because the his budget was very small 
and you wanted to basically produce these flies yeah, over, say, a period of like three months. So one month you'll have a blue flyer, the next month you have a red flyer, and then the next the following month you have a green flyer. So they use the flyer three times over three months. So I suppose it's it's great for them because they only had to pay me once. <laughs> so the next the next one on, on the page here is uh, another Ray World one. I think I had less time to do this one, and the printing wasn't wasn't too wasn't too good. It's like they've changed the printer. But that sometimes happens here, where you, you're happy with the original artwork here, but the print lets it lets it down. But uh, the Red World one with the three heads, that's my favourite flyer, only because that's the first one. That's the first mm. one that basically set the scene. Mm-hmm. I, I really sort of love the last Red World flyer you did as well, with uh, a mouth with oh, and the... <laughs> The like fingers holding the earth. <laughs> yes, that, yeah. The, the the popular myth is that 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 flyer contributed to get in, getting the raves actually banned. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's it's like it, because the rave promoters came up with came had a whole lot of like problems like getting uh, their raves put on. So they had to go to like you know the local council and things like that, and they had to you know, follow certain you know uh, guidelines. But I think when they saw the flyer, that probably pushed them over the edge, and they said, "We're going to stop this year because we're going to have a lot of people taking ease." <laughs> yeah, I craft I craftily put the word "e" on the planet Earth. <laughs> Which works really well. Yeah. Uh, you have this series for Peace Fest, um, which is really interesting, especially um, the first few images are just a sort of you like you have a lot of images that are sort of dual images of yes. people. So can you talk a little bit about the work you did for Peace Fest and um, those flyers? Yes. The, the the dual ones, well, the the whole peace fest thing is like uh, it it start it started with the bald headed guy in the field, yeah, with the fire coming out of his ears. So that's basically peace fest nineteen ninety two. And then they asked me to do another one. I said, wait a minute, what can I do? Oh yeah, let's give him a sister. So I done the female version of him in the field with the fire coming out of his ear, and then came. Uh, the birthday, Peace First presented the, the first birthday, so that's why he's got a cake on his head. <laughs> and then, you know, following up from that came Peace First '93, where you got the you know the half black, half white, you know, funky dread, yeah, under the water swimming with the fish. And I quite enjoyed that one. It's basically like you know, uh, you know, unity. Yeah, that's why you know you've got half black and half white. It's like you know the the unity aspect. It's the also saying that we're all part of the same family, really. So he's got his own version, and I've done the other version where it's you know two women, 
black and white. And that one was uh, the Love and Peace flyer. That was the last flyer that I ever done for them. And the, the fun thing is that I had a very limited time to do it. I only had a day to do this flyer. Hmm. They couldn't pay me at that particular time. And they said, yeah, yeah, Junior, why don't you come down to the, come down to the rave and we pay you. So I had to cycle at like three o'clock at night, <laughs> central London, to the rave to get paid. <laughs> Once they collected all their money. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so that was, that, was, that, was, that was a quite fun, fun story. But uh, that's, that's another piece of artwork that I've, I've got upstairs in my portfolio that, you, you know, you managed to get back. It was not all rave promoters was to return your artwork. Mm-hmm. It's just that, you know, the saddest thing. So you, we talked a little about your cover art for Slam and Vinyl, but the let's talk a little bit about those um, images, some of the images for the raves as well. Yeah. Um, like you've got the the first one you have in here is the animatronic woman with um, six arms. And these are very much cyborg-esque. So can you talk a little bit about this uh, rave art? Yeah, that, that one I call Robotic Carly. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed doing that one because that, that's another one of my you know, fun pieces. Because this is the you know the early days when I got into doing like uh, things on the computer. So this one I had an idea. Yeah, I wanted to do like a, you know, a full female torso, but I also wanted to her to look like you know inviting and maybe a bit menacing because she's got like six arms, you know, just like uh, the figure of Carly, you know, the uh, Indian goddess. And the background is just basically a straight background, a straight textured background with a shadow of her. So, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed doing this one because it, it really works really, really well. And I still use that, that, that image today. It's on the back of the book as well. Mm-hmm. And for them, and then you have some sort of Terminator-esque, um, cyborg-y images that you've did for um sort of this these flyers as well yeah in full in full effect mm-hmm. because uh, they they just wanted the uh, you know somebody who looking looking like arnie you know terminator-esque you know half robot half human to go on the cover so i've done my little my little research drew everything out and you know, airbrushed it very nicely. These these two was never ret- was never returned to me, and that is when I went full digital with doing everything on a computer because mm-hmm. of this one. Because otherwise, I would still be airbrushing by hand. But you know, I fully enjoyed these two years because uh, uh, it's it's nearly like. Uh, you've got this feeling here that you've basically cracked certain things with your art. You've got to a certain plateau. And then you think, yeah, I could go further from here because I know how to do it. I know how to achieve a certain a certain look. And then they, they kept my artwork and then I went digital. 
And even though we're doing it digital, you can put in more detail. It's not, uh, it's not tactile, as you know. You can't mm -hmm. touch pixels, but you can touch a piece of paper. So that brings me to a totally a very different question that I didn't think about until you started talking about that. And, you, you know, you mentioned, I think in the intro or part of this book, it talks about people collecting your flyers and your artwork. So with these pieces and putting this book together, um, did someone ever track down this art for you? Like, how did this come about? Like, did you have to get it tracked? Like these pieces that you never got back, right? Did someone track these down? Are they just um, reprints of a photo? Did you ever find, get the, <laughs> have you ever, you know? <laughs> no, no, I, the, the lucky, lucky, lucky enough, I, had about 99.9% .9 of the flyers that I ever done artwork for. Even though I didn't have the artwork itself, I had the flyer. Mm. When you've got the flyer in a pristine condition, you can basically make a copy of it. So, and that's, that is why when I started to do things digitally, yeah, you don't, you don't mind about giving people like original artwork because there's no original artwork. All it is that you send them a file, a JPEG file, and they, they print straight from that, but there's no original artwork. Mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it's, quite, it's quite amazing how, you know, the technology works. But tracking down artwork, no, it's, it's so, it's been so many years that you can't really track it down because you have to find the people first. And then the people might have like, you know, a dodgy memory where they can't remember because usually the the last place the artwork ends up at is the 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 printers before they print it they have to basically have to scan it so i don't know if it's taken from there to someone else's house and whatsoever but luckily right. enough i've got a whole lot of the record covers that i've done and i've got the majority of the the ray flyers mm -hmm. that, that i created by hand but it's all it's all fun, but I do so, I do miss a couple of them though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was wondering, yeah, <laughs> thinking that somewhere, right? Somebody has somebody might have it. And, well, and it's there. There is a story uh, that I I work for a a promoter, a Ray promoter, and they had this thing. I produced the artwork. And they wasn't returning it. So I said to them, how come you're not returning my artwork? And they came out with this one. Well, it's like this, yeah, we always keep the artwork. So I said, oh, so you, you know, you can't really argue with, with that one. But I, then I said, for all the artwork that I've done, make me a chromalin, which is basically just like a, a nice copy of it, a nice resolution print. So they only done this twice. But they were still coming back to me for like original original artwork. So change the scene. Many years later, I actually hooked up with the person who used to like commission me to do the artwork. And he said, Yeah, yeah, Junior, this was my favorite place. And I said, Yeah, what happened to it? And said, Yeah, my son took it to school and claimed that he did it and lost it. <laughs> yeah. You have to laugh. <laughs> <laughs>
So and like you have we you have these sort of images from the you know early and mid nineteen nineties, but then you are also still doing flyers. Like you have some flyers from just last year in yeah. here as well. So can you talk a little bit about some of this more the more recent work you've been doing, like the Last Man Standing, um, and sort of the Berlin reunion and, and some of the more recent pieces. Yeah. The Berlin reunion one was fun. The Berlin reunion one, because I, I actually done that piece of artwork, you know, years before. Mm-hmm. But because they was basically needed a piece of artwork in a hurry, because I told them of the time frame to actually create a piece of artwork, and this one basically suited it down to the T. Because in the middle of where it says Berlin, there was actually a tank with a woman's face in it. That's, you know, that was the original artwork. And uh, I wanted to put the front entrance of the club in the middle. And that's where it says Berlin, because that's basically the front of the club. So they was, they was quite happy with it. So happy to the fact here that when they, when it went off, they actually got a big, big one printed and signed and actually sent it to me. Mm. A big piece of signed vinyl with my image on it. So I was quite happy with that. But I'm really mm-hmm. happy with that image here because it's nearly like a testament to uh, uh, the days of doing science fiction, you know, doing you know robot robots and creation. Well, you've got like uh, you know two robots with like you know their staffs guarding the entrance to this Berlin club, you know, which says a lot. Mhm, mhm. And you have some, so you sort of end because we've been talking for a while. You sort of um, end with um, some of these images that you've literally just done very recently, right? Um, so for timeless and. Um, for flashback and also sort of the agony and the ecstasy. So can you talk, do you want to talk a little bit about um, that? I really love the timeless piece for the violet night um, yeah. with the winged. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wind, so, wind, wind angel with the backdrop mm-hmm. of like a uh, very hot sun behind him. But that was originally done as a part of my stock, really. So when the people from Timeless got in touch with me and they asked me my prices, and I told them, and I also said, uh, I've got a few pieces that have never been used, you want to see. So they picked this piece. So that's how that one came about. And if you're looking at the book right now, you can see the, the rough sketch mm-hmm. of how, how it looked before. So it was, it's quite similar to the end of it. But afterwards, you, you know, you get the rough sketch, you scan it in onto a computer, then you start to basically digitally paint it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this piece. It's one of my favourites, but not my all-time favourite. The flashback piece, if you remember uh, that record cover that I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go. Yep. 
back. It's basically that one, you know, heart on face artwork reconditioned. Mm-hmm. So some of these pieces come back again because I like I like the idea of like doing mashups of my own work to create new new artwork. Mm-hmm. So you take a piece, put it into a different setting, add something more, and then you come up with like with a new piece. And I find that you know quite quite fascinating when it comes to like you know, artwork. How much pieces can you make from one piece of art? Right. And it's, it's nearly it's nearly endless. As long as you've got you know the imagination to go forward, yeah, you can always produce like a few more pieces or put another item into the mix. And just make it more and more grand. So it's all it's constantly evolving. The art is constantly evolving. So usually, so we've talked for a while about the, your work in here. And so usually when I end, I ask sort of, are you working on a new book? But for you, um, <laughs> my, <laughs> what are you working? I, I mean, is there something that you're working on now art wise um something you're putting together or is it just sort of you know business as usual or what's what's on the horizon <laughs> well one of the things on, on on the horizon yeah is like uh i would like to do a 3d version 3d version on the computer of space gladiator you know the hmm. robocop with gun and shoes i would like to do a 3D version, you know, so that can be 3D printed. That's one of the ideas. Uh, and I still tinker about uh, my 3D to make my 3D better. And I work on, like, smaller projects. I just finished reconditioning someone's logo, which was quite fun. He wanted it more 3D. Because it's basically, like, flat, but he just wanted it to have more depth. So I just finished that. And smaller projects. But now I'm looking for work in these like uh, pandemic times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, where uh, raves and other things aren't happening. No, but uh, <laughs> would you believe people are still making records? Yeah, I know the records are huge. You know they're still they're... making records. They're still having digital releases. Mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and I suppose yeah that uh, when they we come out of lockdown and people can you know go to like clubs and have events it'll, i suppose that it'll be all oversubscribed because everybody just want to get out there and dance right yes so and hopefully it, uh, they'll be okay um so but no so it's been really great talking with you we're coming up on an hour so um <laughs> Well, it's been been great talking to you. Yeah. So, again, this was um, Junior Tomlin, who has a collection of his flyer and cover art from working with Raves for the past, what, 30 years? About? 30 years. 30 years? (laughs) I feel old when I say that. Um, So I'm sure you do, too, (laughs) because I remember. You sound like like a young lady. (laughs) I know I am almost 50. Um, and so like some of these images remind me of the rave scene in the U S right. came a little later than the raves, everything in the UK, right? We just, we take it and pretend it's our own and it's not. Um, but some of these bands and some of this music, I remember from when I was in at university. Yeah. So 
Yeah, um, but it's been really great speaking with you about them. Again, this is New Books Network, New Books and Popular Culture. Um, Junior, thanks for talking with me. My pleasure. We must do it again sometime.